boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are in this world. That is a fascinating statement. As he is, we are in this world. Are you like him in this world? If people talk about you, are they seeing Jesus in you? Are they seeing, I'm not talking about uh, holy rollers, you know, those guys who walk around with a facade around them that they are holy. No, no. Love comes. Love shows. It shows how Christ is in the world. He came to love the world. Now look at verse 18. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I love it when, when John jumps between the positive and the negative of saying things. Have you noticed? First he says it positively and then he turns it in a negative statement. He says, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him. We love him. Do you love him? Can I just see? Who loves God? We love Him because He first loved us. How wonderful is the love of God? The, the, listen to me. The fact that you are sitting here today, listening to me, listening to my voice, is because of the love of God. Amen. The fact that I'm standing here today is because of the love of God. If you know my history before Christ, I would not be ending up here right now. I would have been in a different place. And listen, before you look at me and you say, Whoa, I want to look at you because it's the same with you. Each one of you. Each one of you has got a testimony. And the fact, the fact that you are sitting here today and we can see your smile and the, the lights are on, your eyes are on, and you are worshiping and praising God is the, is the amazing grace of God. It's nothing that you did. You, you might as well have been out of this place in the world this morning if it wasn't for Him. There is no fear in love, he says here, and we're going we're gonna to unpack that. But I want you to first see this, that the love that he's talking about here is the word agape. It's a sacrificial love. You remember I said it so many times, it's a love that hurts. I, I know there's some person in the world that sings a song like that, love hurts. I'm not singing his song in here, but this is the kind of love that hurts. It's a love that you feel. And, and everybody who's sitting in this place, who's been in a relationship, knows that in a relationship there's also hurt. It's not every single time just sunshine and moonshine. There's sometimes hurt in a relationship. And, and the hurts in the relationships builds the character of the relationship, which builds love in the relationships, which matures that love. And this is what he writes about here. This is the sacrificial love. Now, you say, where do you get your theme from? Where do you get from mature love? I get it from this word in the Greek. The word perfected is used three times in this, three times. And, and I go in, and, and as you know me, I love to go into the Greek and find the meanings of that because it, it tells me so much more. And when I study that word there, which he uses three times, that's important. It comes to the meaning to bring something to completion. That's what the word means there. It means to bring to maturity. Now he says this love, this other love, which just last week I told you that God poured this love out into our hearts. You remember? 
So where's this love living now? Inside of us. So He gave you this love and there's a responsibility within you to now bring this love to maturity. You see, this is the action of the Bible. We all here just obey, 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 but nobody tells you how and what you need to obey. We need to obey and mature the love which He's poured into us. How do we do that? I'm glad you've asked. First of all, we start getting bold about this. Now, it means to bring to completion. This is what the word means there. To bring to completion the love that is being put inside of us. Now, what is the first sign of mature love? It is boldness. That is the first sign of mature love. And I'll test you in your relationships as well. You see, he says it right there. He says, now that we bring this love into maturity, why do we bring this love into maturity? So that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. What day of judgment is he talking about? It's not the white throne judgment. Don't get confused here. He's talking about another judgment seat here. It's the seat that if you are a born again child of God will appear before Jesus Christ, it is called in Hebrew the Bema Seed. That's what it's called. We find it down here in, in, in uh, uh, before I get to the Bema Seed, <laughs> I'm, I'm ahead of myself and I need to just get back there. Uh, I want to explain to you that, you know, when we talk about boldness, we've already touched about this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Do you remember that verse? Remember this verse? He says, And now, little children, abide in Him. That when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him as He's coming. It means that Jesus Christ is going to come back. And I believe in the rapture. I believe He's coming back to take His children unto Himself. Amen. Now, if you're going to be alive, when that happens, you will see Him on that day. And you will stare Him in the face. And that will be the day that He's talking about here. That when He appears... When He's coming down, are you ready to meet Jesus? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Amen. <laughs> you need to think what you say. You know, He can appear and take everybody. What a day that will be. Woo. But then He's coming for each one of you individually. Who knows that? Look, I've, I've read the book. We're not getting out of here alive. Preaching from a funeral home. <laughs> but He's coming for you. Each one of you. Each one of us. There's a day. There's a day and a time when we were born. And there's a day which only He knows. Only He knows that we will pass from this life on to glory. And when that day appears, this is the appearance for you. Because you will appear before Him. And now He says, will you have confidence? Will you be ready for Him? This is what it is about. And he says, boldness there. He says, when you have boldness in the day of judgment, the, the readiness here, when he talks about when you have confidence and boldness, it means to have, to have the ability to speak your mind. Not to give him a piece of your mind, okay? <laughs> There's a difference of giving somebody a little bit of a piece of your mind, and I've seen that. Yeah! Screaming over the phone. No, no. When you have the boldness to speak to Him, listen to me now, with the love which He's planted in your heart. And that love now has matured. 
it's grown up. This is what he's talking about. You see, you never in your life heard that your life needs to mature, have you? Well, today you hear that. And it's not because I'm saying it. John has already seen it so long ago. And John is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says here that we need to have this boldness in the day of judgment. Now let me come to that judgment seat, okay? We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. He says, for we must, everybody say must. Yes. If you are a child of God and you are born again, you are going to appear before a judgment seat. Either one of two. I've done it a few weeks ago. If you are not, these people are not saved. This is why we need to reach out, my brother. They're going to appear before the white throne judgment. And then the book of life will be opened to see if their name is in the book of life. I know today my name is in the book of life. Do you? He writes it in this letter. He says, these things I write to you so that you may know. You may know today that your name is in the book of life. And, and now as a child of God, as a blood-washed child of God, when we appear, when His day comes to take us, maybe singly take us or collectively take us all, and we appear before Him, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In Greek, that is the Bema seat. That's called the Bema seat. Now when we appear before Him, what's going to happen? That each one, say each one. Come on. Does that mean you? Yes. Does it mean me? Yes. Does it mean the person next to you? Each one. And listen, listen, let me just tell you. You can't stand before him and say, uh, excuse me, Jesus, I'm just going to call my wife in on this one. <laughs> or I'm just going to call him my husband. Or, or you as a child sit in and says, hey, I'm just going to call him my dad or my mom. Let them come and do No, no. You are going to stand before him and you yourself will have to give an account for him alone. Alone. Amen. You must appear before Him. Now, why do we appear before Him? So that we may receive the things done in the body. David, can you just see this man loitering outside? Um, it, so that we receive the things done in the body. These things what we do. Okay, not everybody look outside. <laughs> I was just testing you. You need to concentrate on me, okay? Okay, so here we go. So, we are going to appear before Him so that we receive. Everybody say receive. The things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, let me say to you, you want to have boldness when you appear before the Bema seed of Christ as a child of God. You want to have boldness. You want to walk up in front of Jesus Christ, look him in his eyes, which the book of Revelation says is going to be fiery eyes, and not be afraid of his fiery eyes, but stand before him and have the boldness to speak. What are you going to speak? You're going to speak out of all of the things done in the body to Christ. That's the conversation that's going to take place. Now let it be known, if you've done nothing in the body, if you come to the point where you are saved and you say, Hallelujah, Kumbaya, I'm saved by the grace, I'm on my way to heaven, and you sit right there and nothing is giving you love, and you're going to see other things He's going to give you, and you've matured nothing of that, you will not have boldness standing before Him that day. Oh, but I thought we're just going to sit back and have nice church. No, no. It's work. <laughs> church is work. It's not vacuuming. That's not the work I'm talking about. It's the work my brother is doing. It's, it's, it's the encouragement you are giving people. Why? Because doing that encouragement is growing this love inside of you. You're giving. Who knows that love is not receiving, it's giving. 
For God sent His Son. He didn't ask anything in return. Love is giving. Everything you have, listen to me. Listen. Every single you have today, everything is by His grace. And, and, and belongs to Him. Doesn't belong to you. This body doesn't belong to me even anymore. <laughs> Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I urge you both to give your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not even your body belongs to you. It belongs to Him. What are you doing with it? What are you? Oh, but wait a minute. I thought we're not a church of works. Wait a minute. It's after the cross I'm talking. And we're going to start doing maybe in the Bible study in the book of James and you'll see when we address that. So he says here that we need, to, we need to grow. Not only that, you know, we need to grow in faith. Remember Colossians chapter 2? God gave each one of you faith. Who knows that? For by grace we have been saved through faith. That not of you? It's a gift of God. So he gives you faith. What are you doing with your faith? No, I'm waiting for more faith. No, no. He gives you faith and that faith needs to grow. How do you grow your faith? Well, it's like a little boat. You build the boat. If it sits in the harbor, you never pushes it out in the ocean. It's not going to grow. You're not going to test it. Your faith is going to be tested. He tests your faith. You need to test your faith. And as you test your faith and you come to this one thing, the faith grows, the faith grows, and the faith grows. Go and look at this. You know, Peter, come walk on the water, Peter. He got out and he walked. What did he do? He tested faith. So your faith needs to grow. Your grace needs to grow. Who knows that? Go with 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. He talks about your grace and your knowledge that needs to grow. He gave each one of you in this church grace. He gave you grace. For by... I know I repeat that verse a second time, brother. <laughs> For by grace you have been saved. He gave you grace. But now you need to grow that grace. You're not going to get more grace. You know, I, I hear so many people, they say you need to do all these things to get more grace. No, no. He gives you grace. And now what are you doing with that grace sitting here this morning? What are you doing with that grace? And, and everybody said you are confident to stand with boldness before Him. Yeah? Everybody said I'm ready to see Christ. But he's going to say, he's going to say, the faith that I've given you, how, how has your faith grown? Your grace that I've given you, how has your grace grown, my child? No, no, I'm going to call my wife, she can talk with that one. No, no, I'm telling you, I'm asking you. And what about knowledge? He's giving us knowledge. You, you, do you know that you have more knowledge sitting right here than the person in the world? Do you know that? You've got more knowledge. Oh, I'm not talking about the professors in the universities. The moment that Christ comes and saves your soul, He gives you the Holy Spirit, opens up the book of life. <laughs> this book has got more in it than all the books in all the universities. And now, He's giving you the knowledge to understand, the wisdom to understand the knowledge. How are you growing in it? You say that you are ready to see Christ, but you don't even read the Bible. But you said you're ready. Now, and then he says love, growing love. This is where we are today. You see? And you thought, 
Thank you, Lord. You saved my soul. Ooh, I'm going to sit with that group. I'm just going to sit there. And I'm just going to sit there. Sunday after Sunday, Lord, look at the attendance register. Go talk to my pastor, Lord. When you stand before Christ and you go and he says, how did your faith and all of these things grow? Uh, wait a minute. Let me call my pastor. Let, let's get him on the line. He can, he can vouch for me. There's no pastor who's going to vouch for you one day when you stand before. No. And, and it, you, you know how I see this, this shallowness of this in Christians? When you start talking to them and you say to somebody, you say, how is your relationship with Christ? You know what they say? Oh, we're in a great church. We've got a vibrant church. We've got a great pastor. That shows me the shallowness. Come on, are we going to say it like it is or do you want me to sugarcoat it? Come on, tell me. Like what it is. Listen to what people say. Listen to what they talk. Because the intent of the heart comes through and speak out. Let us not become a church like that. I don't want you to walk out of here and say we've got a great church or a great pastor. I'm nothing. I'm a person like you. But this is the thing. Let's come back. When, when He appears, will you have confidence to stand before this being a sea? And, and how is your blood? How much has your blood grown? How much is it? You see, people tend to turn to their talents when you talk to them, isn't it? Your talents, and they come to you and say, Oh, God is giving you a talent. Go to the Bible. He sees it right there. One person buried his talent, and another used it for this, and another. It's not just your talents. He's not going to say that and say, You could have played guitar, you never played guitar, and now I'm going to punish you for that. You're going to lose it. No, no, no. He's going to come down to these things and says, I've given you these things. He says, I've given you, everybody, the same measure of faith. You need to grow that faith. It's not, listen to me, it's not the pastor's responsibility, it's not the church's responsibility, it's not your parents, it's not nobody. It's your own responsibility. Because, because. There is an awesome responsibility for you when He gives you this. You know, people want to bring up their talents and, you know, what did you do with your talent and all of these things. You see, it doesn't matter, count what people say at this stage. It counts about what He knows when you come before that throne. What He knows about you. And He knows a lot about us, isn't it? What have you done? And how are you growing this? Now, I want you to look at this now. He says... We love Him because He first loved us. Now, before I get to that, I just want to rewind quickly. Uh, love has been matured amongst us so that we may have boldness. The first sign for you to show that you have matured love is if you have this boldness. We have the boldness. And, and, and if you sit here this morning and say, Preacher, I haven't got that boldness, you've still got time because you're still alive. Amen? You've still got time to grow the love of God which is placed inside of you. Let's look at this love, okay? Because He qualifies it. And we've had a whole series of love messages, didn't we? Go back to the first sermon that I told on YouTube. I showed you where you can find it. Go and listen to them again and see how He impacts the love of God. But He says it here in verse 19, We love Him because He first loved us. How much does God love us? Have you ever wondered? How much? My sister said it this morning uh, when she sang and she said, you know, for God so loved the world. I just want to remind you, for God so loved the world. This is mature love, by the way. You see, boldness, let, 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 let me just talk about that. This is mature love. 
if you look at a relationship and you want to look at maturity within a relationship between a husband and a wife, between children and their parents, you can see it in the boldness that's between them. I'm not talking about authoritism or fear. I'm talking about the boldness within a relationship that each one in that relationship can speak their mind. Not give them each a piece of their mind but to speak their mind. If a husband is afraid to talk to his wife or something that's going to happen, that's not mature love in that relationship. If, if a wife can't say anything to a husband and then he blows off, like they say, he's going to blow his top or he's going to come down, he's going to whatever, place psychological tricks on her, that's not mature love. If children are afraid to speak to their parents because their parents is just going to download, that's not mature love. You see, these are all areas that you, need, you and I need to work on them. I, I, am I perfect standing in front of you? By far not. Ask my children. I failed so many times. So many times. I still need to grow and learn in this love. And, and not for their sake. They will benefit from it. Listen, you don't change. You don't grow in love for, for the relationship's sake. They will benefit from it. You're low, you, you grow in love so that you can stand in front of Him. In front of Him. Okay, so how does God love us? He says, for God so loved us that, that He gave, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting love. And, and He loves us the same way that He loves Christ. Did you know that? He loves you and me the same way that He loved His Son. The only Son that He gave, one of a kind, in John 17, 23, I am in them and you and me. That they may, may be perfect in one. They grow up in together in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have. God loves you as He loved Jesus, His Son. Wow, have you ever thought about that? He loves you just as He loves His Son. And, and let me just say this as well. This is the same love that is in us. That love that He loved His Son with which Jesus Christ had in Him to die on the cross, is sitting in each one of you here this morning, if you are a blood-washed child of God. John 17, 26, And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me, maybe, come on, everybody say that word, me. in them. Where is God's love this morning? Yes. What do you need to do with that love? You need to grow it. You need to grow that love. It's a task for you this week. <laughs> I'm going to write it in my calendar. Grow the love of God. Grow the love of God. Grow the love of God. Please don't set up rules. Allow the Holy Spirit to grow that in you. Now there's two words before we go on to the second sign of mature love. There's two words that for the first time, he actually enters into his letter. Two words here. He says... There is no fear, everybody say fear, yeah. in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Everybody say torment. Torment. For the first time, I've checked it out, I went through. And remember, he didn't write this letter with chapter divisions and verses. He wrote it as a one letter. You, you can imagine when you open up this as a love letter, you read through and then the whole letter is written about love and, you know, if you say this and about sin and everything, right down here at the bottom he comes and he introduced two words. Fear and torment. These two words. These two words. 
The, the word here for fear is the word phobia. And we all know this word. That's where we get our English word phobia from, isn't it? Fear of height, fear of, you know, spiders. Some people's got a fear of water. A fear of, you know, whatever fear you have. That's a phobia you've got. But the phobia here that he's talking about is crisis phobia. Crisis phobia is the fear of judgment. And I will tell you, this fear grabs a lot of people. A lot of people. It grabs you in your family situation at home. It grabs you at your work situation where you go to work. It grabs some people in churches and, and some people has control over other people. And it brings over this fear of judgment. And it all comes back to this word of boldness. There's no fear. If, you know, if you stand before God, there's no fear if He saved you. It's not as if he's gonna, you're going to stand before Jesus and He's going to say, wait a minute. There's this one sin you did six and a half years ago. People fear that still. There's still people sitting here and fearing that, that you know, something they're going to do wrong two weeks from now, they're not going to be forgiven for. Two words he's bringing in here. And I want to bring this as a personal application. And I, I already started doing that. You know, fear destroys love. It destroys it. If you have fear in your relationship, there is no love. There is acknowledgement, there is appeasement, because I want to have peace, but there is no love. It doesn't come from the right place. Here is a person who don't want to say anything because they are so afraid that if they are going to say it, there is something that is going to be a reaction to that. So it takes away boldness. And I see it in little children, you know, if, if little children are young and they want to come and express to you something and you shut them down, it takes a fear. It, it brings fear in their hearts. I can't go up to my parents. I can't say anything. And again, by far, I'm not standing here as the perfect specimen about this. I'm saying that we all in this place need to look at our love and we need to grow the love so that we can come into the boldness that we need to be in. You see, the fear here is the fear of punishment from God for what they have done or what people have done. But He's aware of everything. There's some people who think if, if you do something wrong, God's going to sit there and go, ah, I'm not going to have that. Away with you. It's not like that. His love is more mature than your and my love. So the first thing that we see for mature love is, is the boldness there. The second thing that shows mature love is to speak the truth. It's to speak the truth, honesty. Isn't that right? You've got relationship. He's one of you. You've got love. The moment that you start speaking truth with one another, that is a mature love. But the moment that I have to hide stuff and don't talk about stuff because I'm afraid of what they're going to do or say, that's not mature love. And this is what he touches on. In verse 20 he says, If someone say, how many times did he use that? I think it's down around about the seventh time now. If someone say, because we are so quickly to say things, isn't it? But we are so slow to do it. He says, if someone say, I love God. Oh, I love God. And it looks so pious when you say it in front of people. And it looks so pious when you lift your hands up and you say, oh, I love God. And you, and you bring your eyes and your face. And people say, wow, that is so great. And hates his brother. Wow, that's an opposite. You see, the one you can show people, but the other one is sitting in here where people don't see. But God sees it. 
He says, and hates his brother. What is he? Is he a great person? No, no. He's a straightforward liar. And he calls it in their face. He says, you hate people. Why? Because you, you, I just can't take people. I can't handle that person, for instance. Oh, but I love God. I can't handle that person. No, no. Look at his mannerisms. I, I can't take it if you just do that. Oh, just put me. But I love God. He says it right here. He says, no, no, no. You are a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen. You see him physically. How can you love God whom you have not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him. That he who loves God must love his brother also. Why do I say that this is all about honesty? It's because this particular person who is doing this is just a hypocrite. He's just putting on theater. He says one thing, but he's in his heart something else. And he talks here now directly about the relationship with God's people. Have you noticed? He says, you love God, who's the brother? That's God's people. And he's asking you and me this morning, how is your relationship? How is your relationship with God's people? That's fine. Now, if you lack confidence with God, listen, then you will also lack confidence with God's people. Is it a hard word today, Victor? <laughs> if you lack confidence with God, then you're going to lack confidence with God's people. Then you're going to say, all the nice stuff about God's people. That's fine, that's fine. Praise the Lord. Don't have to worry about it. Now this leads to trying to impress people. That's what happens. I see a lot of that going on. I see a lot of people who try to impress other people with their spirituality. Oh, I love God. Ooh, you try to impress people for what? But God sees right through that. You say you are something or somebody who you are not. That's fine. Is it off? Okay, good. Now this is called pretending, and we find a lot of pretenders in church, don't we? People who love, but you cannot see the love in their actions. You know, I think last week we came to a point where we said that love is not only speaking it. He says, hey, say something, I love God, but his actions is different. People will not listen to your love, they will see and feel your love. And this comes down to your family as well. And this is so true. So the first thing is we have boldness that shows mature love. And secondly, we speak the truth. If we love God, we also ought to love your brothers. Although we disagree. Listen, disagreement is not breaking love. We all disagree. I mean, you're going to come to me and you're going to tell me something and I'm going to disagree with you. Well, that's all fine. And you're going to disagree with me. The point now is, is to come to a point where we discuss our disagreement and then we keep on loving. We keep on loving. That's mature love. It's not because, wait a minute, I disagree with you, you disagree with me. Now we're not going to talk to each other anymore. We find so much of that in, in, in marriages, don't we? We get this, you know, now I'm going to be quiet until he comes to me and says something more. Until she comes and then, until he, until she, until he, and the week goes past and you don't speak to each other. How? How? That is not mature love. But it happens in churches. Oh, you don't come to our church anymore, I don't talk to you anymore. We disagree now. 
Oh, you, you don't want this? I don't talk to you anymore. Where is this coming from? It just shows. It shows not how mature man you are or how powerful you are. It just shows where your love is sitting in the maturity level. No, no. We can disagree with one another, but love continues to go on. And this is where it comes down. The third point here about how you can see maturity is in verse 1 of chapter 5. We obey. Obedience is a sign of mature love. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves Him, who begot also loves Him, who is begotten of Him. Man, I can preach on that verse. I'll spare you today. But let's look at this too. He says, by this we know, by this we know, what John? That we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Keep His commandments. That's a sign of obedience. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. He's not burdensome. How was your love this morning? You see when I started off and asked you when you've got boldness to stand before Him. You say you love God. You say you are ready to see Him. But the first appearance before Him is going to say, Have you obeyed my word? Uh, what do you mean Lord? You haven't even studied it. How can you obey something that you didn't even read? Oh, but I was there every Sunday when the pastor, oh man, that pastor, man, he, man, he was a good teacher. You should, forget about that. I'm talking to you. You. We've got all these excuses. But it comes down to obedience to the commandments of God. And, and listen to me now. This is not becoming legalistic. It is so easy for people to come in and try to make it legalism, legalism now. It's not that. We obey the commandments through Christ. But this is important. When I prepared for this, I was reminded of a man who came to me in New Zealand once. They had managed problems and uh, he came to me for counseling and he says, his wife and his children doesn't respect him. I said, well, that's, that's a statement. Let's, let's unpack it. Why? Why do you say they do not? He said, no, look, when you ask them to do something, they won't do it. I thought, okay, now let's unpack it a little bit further. You know, why, why is it so that there's a problem now within your marriage if your wife don't want to do the things? I went a little bit deeper with her. I said, so how does it happen in your, in your relationship? He says, no, he comes in afterwards and I'm going to unpack the whole thing. And he comes in and this is not right and that's not right. And he goes in and he says, you can immediately do this. And he comes to the wife and says, God, you see the children to do this. And, and, and this goes on day after day after day. And I said, well, maybe the problem lies with you and not with them. It is how you do it. It is what you see. You know, it's not obey because I am, I am the master of the house. I see, that's not, I kindly reminded him as well, but uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm just throwing a little bit of marriage counseling in here. Is it okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay? I'm just going to do it anyway, okay? Because now that I'm talking about life and the maturity of life, I might as well do it. <laughs> and I'm preaching and you're not, so I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord. So, so he was going on about, you know, she doesn't want and the children as well are listening. He comes in and it's constantly telling them things to do. And you see there was a lot of law that he laid down but there was no love. A lot of law. Do this. Do this. When I get home and it was so that you know even when the children were at home and they hear his daddy's car coming in fear comes over them and because he's going to tell them what to do. A lot of law. And then I reminded him of I actually opened up this and he read it to himself. 
Husbands, love your wives. There's no tears in here. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I said to this man, this is a sacrificial love. So it's not asking them to do things for you. You need to do things for them. That changed the conversation quickly. And then I said, he gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. You know what that means, sir? That means that you are setting her apart. You are setting her apart from the rest. From the rest. It's only. That's how you sanctify that. That's why when you get married, you don't start looking around. There's only one wife for you. When God, when God gave you that wife, that husband, you're sanctifying them. It means to set apart. Having cleansed. I said, you say that word cleansed. And he said, cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. I said, what you hear, what your family hear is just your words, man, not the washing of the word. What word is he talking about? I said, the word. And what washing is he talking about? I read in the word so much, so many times about the, the rivers of living water which the Holy Spirit comes. The Spirit opens it up for you first, sir. And then, once he washes you with the word, you use that word and you start building up your wife with the word. You sanctify her. You wash her with the word. Not come down with con con contentment. And then, and then he, and he says, he washes her with the word so that you might present the church to himself a splendor without spot, wrinkle, such things that she might be holy and pure. See, the only thing that you have is you've got law. And you are telling to me out of your mouth that there's no respect. Because they don't do what they do with fear. No, no, we obey because we love Him. That's what's the difference here. We obey because we, are, we obey His commandments. You, you go and read Psalm 119. Who's read Psalm 119? It's a long psalm, isn't it? What is it about? Yep, the Hebrew alphabet, but, but just on, on level, what, what is Psalm 109? It's about the Word of God. There's only two verses in Psalm 119, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to read it and find it. There's only two verses in Psalm 119 that's not about the Word of God. The rest is about the Word of God. Don't read it. And here it is. He says, we need to obey without, it's not burdensome. It's not begrudging. Come read the psalmist and get his heart, how he feels about the Word of God. So first of all, we have mature love when we, we are confident. We have got mature love when um, we tell the truth, we are honest. We have mature love when we obey. And then finally this morning, we have mature love when we walk in victory. Look at verse 4. Uh, yeah, verse 4, he says, for whatever is born of God overcomes, and this is the victory, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. So what is mature life? We walk in this victory now. We don't get thrown off. We don't get pulled aside with twisting doctrines or anything. We stand in Christ. We stand in the love of Christ. We stand in His Word. Now it's really interesting when I went and I searched this word here for victory. It is where the, it's exactly the same word in Greek as the Nike shoes that you are buying. That is amazing, isn't it? The word in Greek for victory is Nike. Nike. That's actually how we say it. Nike means victory. And 
I put it in there, but I put a question mark next to it because that way Nike got their name from from the Bible, and now everybody's going to go out. You must buy Nike. They are from God. They got their name from God. No, no. That was that was a name that they gave a false god. The God Nike, which means victory. That's where they get their name from, not from the Bible. Don't go out and say that passing that church preaches Nike. Now we're all going to next week and maybe sponsored by Nike. No. So how's your love this morning as I finish and somebody call my beautiful wife? How's your love this morning? I asked it at the beginning of the sermon. I said, are you ready to see him? Are you ready to face him? Are you confident? But I believe that I still got a little bit of loving work to do. I still need a little bit of growing in love. I still need it today as I'm standing before you. I'm not going to lie to you. I need a lot of growing in love to happen. How's your grace this morning? Have you grown in grace? Do you know how to grow in grace? Maybe I should preach a sermon on that next time. How do we grow in grace? How's your knowledge this morning? If you appear before Christ and He says to you, Have you read the book? What book? That author, that million dollars on Amazon, no, no. The book of all books, have you read it? I said it a few weeks ago. Have you read through the Bible cover to cover? You must. Honestly, start in Genesis and read through the whole Bible. Have you done that? You, you, you sit here today and you don't want to give it away. You don't want to shake your head. You don't want to do anything because people are looking. But when you're standing before him and he's going to ask you the question, have you read my book from cover to cover? You've got no place to hide. What's going to happen when you read this book from cover to cover? You tell me. You're going to grow in knowledge. You're going to grow in knowledge of whom? You grow in anything. You grow in grace if you read this book. You grow in love. And what about the last one, faith? Have you grown in your faith? I think we've all got some things to take home after this. And, and let me just throw in the last one. How is your prayer life? Jeez, man, you are straightforward today, preacher, aren't you? You're just giving it to us. Well, you've said I can. Earlier on I asked, and you said yes, and I said, oh, Mark, you, you, you've witnessed. How's your prayer life? What if, he, what if, he, if you stand before him and you say, but Lord, I've struggled so much, and you never helped me, and he said, but you've never asked. The Bible says wisdom comes from? Wisdom comes from God. Have you ever asked God for wisdom? Because let me tell you one thing now. Listen to my Bible words. For you to be able to grow in faith, in grace, in love. What's the third one? Knowledge. You're going to need the wisdom from God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You are a mighty God. We thank you for your word today. Father, Mature love. I thank you, Lord, that you you brought this across the path that I can speak about it, Father, and that your Holy Spirit was here present. But Lord, I also pray, Lord, that you will go with us after this. Father, that we don't only say, but that we do. That we obey. So that we, we are confident in the day that when you appear, we stand before your throne. Father, we pray that you help us to grow in knowledge. That you help us to grow in faith. That you help us to grow in grace and then you help us to grow in love. I pray this in Jesus' name. May everybody say amen. 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 That's the